Hey everyone, I'm Jen Alberg and welcome to the Key Academy podcast. The Key Academy is my coaching business where myself and coaches focus on health, performance, and longevity. I've spent the last 12 years coaching people how to optimize health and performance and this podcast is an attempt to synthesize what I've learned over the years to help you live a higher quality or more fulfilling life. If you enjoy this content or have questions that you want covered, click the show notes to find out how to learn more from me. Hey guys, the majority of the questions that I've gotten so far are around nutrition. And so there are things that I think I want to cover right away that that maybe answer a lot of them by covering really one topic. You know, most most of my time is spent with people who are trying to change their bodies, which typically means losing weight and or gaining muscle. And I'm consistently told by people that they're doing all of the right things, but they can't lose weight, to which I, I typically ask, you know, well, you know, I'd love to know what the right things are. So what are you doing? Because in my mind, if they're the right things, they would be working. And nine times out of 10, I get the same answer. I'm eating less and I'm moving more. They just don't say it that way. You know, they say I'm I'm counting my calories or I'm cutting my carbohydrates. I'm doing fasted cardio. I joined a gym of some sort, et cetera. All, all of those things are really saying that they're they're cutting their calories and they're doing more movement, which is exactly what we have been told will lead to weight loss. And then when it doesn't, we're fairly confused. And what that tells me is that the general population really doesn't understand how weight loss works. So in in talking today about calories and carbohydrates and insulin, I hope to answer about 30 of the questions that I've I've gotten from people. So um, in this, I might I might end up answering your questions. I'm wanting to explain it from about a 50,000 foot view without digging into the minutia so that maybe we can dive deeper because we've kind of established this. First, I think it's important to, to make sure that we're all on the same page regarding a few definitions. That first one is a calorie. A, ca- a calorie is a unit of measure for energy and that's that's it. It's a unit of measure. By formal definition, a calorie is the amount of energy required to raise one gram of water from 14 to 15 degrees Celsius at atmospheric pressure. The important thing to remember is that a calorie tells you, in this case, food, how much energy you get by burning that food. I think we tend to define calories as an addition of weight to our body instead of viewing it as a a fueling of our systems. As a general rule, carbohydrates have approximately three 0.4 calories per gram, proteins have about the same, and then fats have about nine calories per gram, which means they have nine energies per gram. At some point in time, we've perverted this unit of measure, the calorie, and it now has a bad rep, which I think is sad because all there are so many positives that you get from calories that they aren't all bad. And overabundance of the wrong kind of calories, which is just true of anything, Overabundance of the wrong kind can have detrimental effects, but the right amount and the right calories are how you exist in the world. So I challenge you to stop thinking negatively about calories. You know, you're sort of alive because of them. But anyway, do I measure calories with people? Common question that I get. Not usually. Very infrequently will we be counting calories. Will I measure macronutrients with people? Yes, not all the time. But what really matters more is that 
what you know what the calories are matters more than the amount. So yeah, as defined, a calorie is just a unit of measure. The next one I want us to understand is carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are one of three classes of what we call macromolecules, but you know them as macronutrients. The other two are fats and proteins. Some argue that alcohol is a fourth class. I am in that camp because they're metabolized completely differently than the prior. The most important point uh, that that I want to communicate around carbohydrates is that they can be simple, as in the case of glucose and fructose, which is just one big ring of six carbons, which we call a monosaccharide. That's in the simplest form. They can also be slightly more complex and be two-ringed structures, which we then call a disaccharide. As the carbohydrate structure gets more complex, there are just more carbon rings added, and they take on different names uh, called oligosaccharides and polysaccharides. Why that matters is that the complexity of the carbohydrate is often inversely correlated with how quickly they lead to a rise and fall in blood glucose levels. In other words, it's usually the case that the more simple the monosaccharides, a carbohydrate, the quicker it gets into the bloodstream and the quicker it elicits an insulin response, which we'll talk about soon. Our body breaks down carbohydrates into smaller molecules, most of the time into the smallest version possible, and with the aid of insulin, aims to store them as either glucose or as a fatty acid. When it's stored as glucose, you usually use them very quickly as energy, and when they are stored as fatty acids, they are stored in the fat cell. So all carbohydrates have the same fate, technically. It's the amount of time that it takes for them to get to their resting place that changes based on the complexity of the molecule. So now that we've defined those two things, I'll dive into fat and the role of insulin. Because if you understand insulin, then you understand how you get fat, but also how you lose fat. And if you can understand how you get fat and lose fat, then you can do the things to help you lose fat and you cannot do the things that help you get fat. If we all knew those things, we would maybe make some some better choices out there. So I think this is important. So follow along with me here, whether it gets technical or or not, try to follow along and, and maybe that can save you just some frustration. Okay, so there are two different kinds of fats on our body. There's white adipose tissue and there's brown ad- adipose tissue. The white adipose tissue is the fat that you can pinch on your body and the brown adipose is darker because it has more mitochondria in it and is the kind that that keeps us warmer when our body gets cold. So to be clear, I'm talking about the white fat that we all so badly want to get rid of on our bodies. Most often when I have a client tell me that they're doing all the right things, you know, that, that they've cut their calories and added some sort of movement and then it doesn't work, let's, I usually explain to them this. Think about that for a second. If I asked you to go out to dinner with me to some amazing, I don't know, Southern barbecue that has the best food that you'll ever imagine, and I tell you to make sure that you come hungry, what do you do? You'd probably take a few days and eat less, or maybe what do you do for Thanksgiving, right? You take a few days to eat less. You probably exercise more so that you are as hungry as hungry can be and ready to feast. And and that is the advice that we hand to people to do on a daily basis, only we don't actually allow them to feast at the end. We just tell them to continuously 
eat less and move more and just fight off the hunger. It's a recipe for disaster. And it never works. That's usually when I hear, you know, well, my my uncle Cal lost, you know, X amount of pounds by just lowering his calories and moving a little bit more. And usually what I say to that is that for every one person that you you show me that that actually works for, I could give you 17 more that it doesn't work for. And probably Cal, this guy that it worked for, probably changed other things too. He probably slept better. He probably started taking supplements. He probably did some other things that helped in the process. So like I said, we this is the recipe that we give to people is eat less and move more and also fight the hunger. And then you lose weight. And then guess what? It doesn't happen. And in my opinion, exercising is a horrible way to, to try to lose weight and eating less is a great way to decrease your me- metabolic rate. So is that sustainable? No, it's not, uh, which causes so much frustration for people because they've been taught that it's just calories in versus calories out and, you know, take in less than what you're burning. And, you know, forever we have clung to that message that we learned early on, but you end up counting your calories, you get hungry, and then you fail over and over again. And it's infuriating for people who haven't yet accepted or don't yet know that calories aren't the answer to the weight loss equation. There are just far too many variables. So alternative to this perspective of eating less and moving more, we need to understand that there's a massive hormone variable going on. Uh, If I could shout that from the rooftop, I would. I I really wish that everybody could understand that, that not only is it not calories in versus calories out, but there's a massive hormone variable that we we need to pay attention to. So please hear me on this. You you can you can only grow a fat cell, meaning enlarge one, when the hormone insulin is elevated. That means the fat cell could be swimming in a sea of calories. And it won't grow unless insulin is high. The same is true for burning or shrinking a fat cell, which as an aside, we don't get rid of fat cells, we just shrink them. So to shrink a fat cell, insulin must, must be low. So even if there's a caloric deficit, if insulin is elevated, the body can't burn the fat. I'm going to say that again. Even if you are in a deficit of calories, your body still can't burn fat if insulin is high. So control insulin and you can control fat burning. So let's talk about insulin. Insulin is a hormone that's flowing throughout our body. Unless we're a type 1 diabetic, we are making it and it's always there. Its main effect is to lower blood glucose. So when you eat a carbohydrate, your glucose will elevate, your blood glucose will elevate. And now understand that glucose is toxic in the bloodstream. So your body has to counteract it. It cannot stay in the bloodstream. If it stays high, you would die pretty quickly. So insulin comes in and pulls the glucose from the bloodstream and puts it into a cell to be stored. Most often it's stored in the muscle, mostly because we have so much more muscle and so much more demand for glucose in the muscle. Uh, So insulin elevates in the bloodstream so that it can pull the glucose out of the blood. Then insulin can come back down as blood glucose does. Insulin has an impact on every cell in the body meaning every cell has an insulin receptor. Insulin basically opens a tiny little door on the cell so that the cell can even function, depending on the function of that cell. 
it is an anabolic hormone, which means its job is to hoard energy. It opens up cells to bring things into the cell to help the cell. What it pulls into the cell is kind of dependent on what the function of the cell is. It pulls glucose into the muscle cell to be used as energy. It pulls fat into a fat cell to be stored. It pulls amino acids into cells to to create something. Uh, it's it's critical to your whole entire life. So if insulin, a storing hormone, is always elevated, we're always going to be storing instead of purging. Or we're always going to be storing fat instead of liberating fat, which is like the definition of a hoarder. A hoarder is always taking things in and ne never really able to get rid of it. So if our insulin is always high, we are hoarding fat. We can't get rid of it and we're only taking it on. If we can get insulin to be low, we can get rid of fat instead of store it. So I hope that makes sense that you can't, you can't be storing something, you can't be storing fat and burning fat at the same time, just like a light switch can't be on and off at the same time. And all of that is completely regulated by insulin. So again, I'll say when insulin is high, you can't burn fat. When insulin is low, you can burn fat. Keep insulin low and you burn fat for more time of the day than when you're storing fat. All right, so how do we, how do we keep insulin low? Well, you keep your carbohydrates low is really the answer to that, which is honestly why ketogenic and Adkins type diets work. As a note, I'm not advocating that everyone is on a ketogenic diet diet. I'm simply trying to help you understand why why it works in losing weight without going into the possible ramifications of turning off insulin completely with a ketogenic diet. Instead, think about how you can control insulin so that you you can simply give your body the chance to burn some fat. Another question I get is, can I check my insulin levels? Uh, you can. You can absolutely get some blood work done to check your insulin levels. But if you can't, for whatever reason, from your doctor get that ordered, which would be a fasting insulin test. If you can't, you could also check your lipid panel. I think it's, I, th I believe it's HDL divided by triglycerides. If that's less than 1.5, we're most likely in a dangerous situation with insulin. So I tend to get that question too is, you know, once people learn, oh, if I could just lower insulin and keep my fasting insulin low, then I can actually burn fat. So how do I test where it is right now? And that's, that's usually what I tell people. If you want to lose fat, you have to lower your insulin. You have to. There's no other way to lose fat. So to go backwards here and decrease insulin, we have to focus on two aspects. One is lower your insulin via your diet. And two is control your stress. So for your diet, you need to control your carbohydrates. You need to eliminate processed foods and sugars. Uh, prioritize protein. Focus on high quality proteins. I usually just tell people, hey, make sure you're consuming a protein every single time you eat. This whole explosion of plant protein is is just a, a marketing gimmick in every single way. It's inferior to animal protein. Also, every plant protein has anti-nutrients in them, which are molecules that inhibit the body's ability to digest the protein. Um, they've got phytic acids, tannins, trypsin inhibitors in them that are that are those anti-nutrients anti that make it even hard for you to digest the food. Finally, they also have high levels of heavy metals. So to get the amount of protein in from, from let's say, eating peas, you would need to eat a lot of peas to get enough protein. And in doing so, you're consuming a lot of heavy metals. 
The next thing that you can do is to fill all remaining calories with fat. So as I said before, control carbohydrates, prioritize protein, and then fill all of your remaining calories with fat. It has almost zero effect on insulin when you consume fat, which is why the best proteins come with ample fats, real fats from meats and fruits, which would be like coconuts and olives. The most commonly consumed fat in the consumed fat in the United States today is soybean oil because it's the fat that's used in processed food, which means we are consuming way too much processed foods. The last thing that you can do is to watch the clock. Give yourself an eating window and take breaks from eating. I'm not saying that everybody should be intermittent fasting or time-restricted feeding. I'm just saying you you should not be consuming food every hour and a half or two unless you are in a special situation that we're not going to go into right now. The other way that you can lower insulin is to lower your stress. I hate talking about stress. You know what else? People hate talking about, people hate when I talk to them about stress, which is partially why I hate talking to them about stress. You know, there's a stigma around it that the the person that I'm talking to, the, the client has done something wrong or done this to themselves when it's just, it's it's not always their fault. Some really great things are highly stressful on the body and not on the mind. Exercise is the best example here. Exercise is great for you, right? Absolutely. Stressful on the on the body? Yes, it is. The stress is what makes you grow in the gym. Another one is taking a new job or a promotion. Great, right? Right. Stressful though? Absolutely. How about homeschooling or having small children at home? Stressful, right? Absolutely. Uh, but great and wonderful and you wouldn't change it for the world. Absolutely. So it's not your fault that you are stressed, but stress affects you. So stop thinking it doesn't. I think the other reason why I don't like talking about stress with people is because you know, they throw their hands up in the air and they go, well, what do you want me to do about it? I can't change fill in the blank, you know, whatever the stressor is. I can't, can't change this, that, or the other. And I'm not, I'm not asking people to, to change that. I'm saying, you know, when I say decrease your stress, I mean, change your external environment to help your stress hormones come down. Do the things that you can control to help your hormones come down. The, the best way that you can you can control your body's reaction to stress and lower your insulin is to get better sleep. It's probably the single greatest stressor for people, meaning not getting enough sleep or not getting good sleep, which results in really high cortisol levels and adrenaline. And when those things are up, they directly antagonize what insulin is trying to do for you. So one bad night's sleep can lead to a much greater insulin resistance the next day, which then leads to overeating the next day as well because you feel junky and feel like you need more energy. Or maybe it's not that you need more energy. Food just makes you feel better. Or maybe we drink more alcohol or caffeine or, or whatever the case is. It's, it's kind of just a compounding effect. So those are the two main ways that you can decrease your insulin. I talked through the diet adjustments that you need to make to control your insulin. And then sleep as the next biggest factor. You don't have to be a diabetic or insulin resistant for these things to give you a positive effect. I wanted to start with helping you understand 
that it's not calories in, calories out, and and understand that insulin is the the primary regulator of fat storing and fat burning. And I wanted you to stand, understand that a little bit more, or at least maybe I've that will talk you out of eating less and exercising more to try to lose weight. Because remember, exercising is a really bad way to try to lose weight. If you have more questions on any of this, I would love to hear from you. Uh, email me. You can click the show notes and and get my email address, and I will address it either uh, via email or in a podcast. Thanks for listening.